Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Radical Hope Radio. I'm Georgia, Director of Communications. Radical Hope was founded back in 2018 by Pam and Phil Martin when they lost their son Chris to suicide, and they became focused on building programs that help other young people build connections and develop emotional resilience. Reducing emotional and social isolation is a key part of the foundation's mission today. And Radical Hope Radio was created to help generate conversations and stories that will help people feel more connected by exchanging ideas and advice. And today we're so excited to welcome Janine Janine Higby onto our podcast. Janine is a holistic nutritionist, founder of JH Wellness and a mother. She has a passion for food as medicine and helping others develop healthy lifestyle habits, which led her to earn her master's in integrative and functional nutrition. Janine, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you for joining us. I think to start, um, we'd love to hear just a little bit more about your work and kind of how you got started in the field of nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually in a different career originally. So for about 10 years, I worked in medical device sales and I worked for a major company in the diabetes division and I sold insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors. And I loved what I did. I fully believed in the products as, you know, life-sustaining devices. But what happened was I was talking to a lot of physicians face-to-face and a lot of patients face-to-face, and I was realizing that a lot of the people I was helping were um, people living with type 2 diabetes. So this is more of this slow progression, um, this sort of gradual decline in the body's ability to kind of keep up with the blood sugar and um, insulin production. And so what happens is they become insulin dependent eventually. And I just kept thinking like, man, if someone would have helped, whether it was like education or support, and it could have been three years ago, five years ago, or 10 years ago, but we could have intervened from more of like a dietary and lifestyle approach where they wouldn't have required this you know, amazing medical device. Um, and so that was just kind of this like eye-opening moment for me. And it really, I felt like I had a front row seat to just like the power that we have in the decisions we make, again, with like the food that we eat and stress management and exercise, these these various lifestyle approaches, and just how that can either promote health or mitigate disease if people are, you know, well-informed and have the support to do that. Wow. Yeah, that's a really interesting backstory. And um, so as you know, we work with a lot of students around emotional health, wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about how nutrition impacts mood. Yes, this is definitely a topic that I like to speak on. Um, So one of the main ways we can think about food as like building blocks, um, and this is for hormones, for neurotransmitters, these things that really do impact our mood, our attention, and our focus. And I think sometimes it's easier to um, think of the link when we look at the absence of adequate nutrition. So when you start to look at things like nutrient deficiencies or even a less severe version, which we call insufficiencies, um, things like vitamins and minerals are micronutrients. And when you're not getting enough of those from your diet alone, this can lead to things like impaired brain function, things like anxiety and depression, fatigue, and more. And what I think is really clear in the clinical research is that depression is linked to things like low levels of vitamin D or low intake of omega-3 fats and B12, folate, protein, iron. I mean, the list is actually uh, pretty pretty decent. And, and then anxiety has a lot of overlap as well. So again, things like 
low levels of vitamin D, omega-3s, B vitamins, iron, uh, magnesium also plays a role. But it's just, um, it's really incredible how these things that um, people are struggling with, and unfortunately at rates, you know, more than ever before, um, there really is this dietary component that is sometimes overlooked. Yeah. Wow. And so getting more specifically into gut health, can you tell us a little bit more about why gut health um, in particular is so important? Yeah. So you can think about gut, um, really there's two main categories. So we can think about digestion, which is more in line of what I was just speaking about, you know, how we break down our food and use that as building blocks for other things. And those those little nutrients or building blocks really do support all the the body's functions. Um, But then beyond digestion, what we eat affects the diversity and the composition of the gut microbiome. So that's kind of like a, it's been a hot topic in health and wellness for for a while now, but um, just to kind of dive in deeper to the gut microbiome, that's all the microorganisms, so things like bacteria, fungi, and more that live in our digestive tract. Um, there's, it's home to over a hundred million, I'm sorry, a hundred trillion bacteria. Wow. And so one of my favorite, you know, things to kind of sit with is that we, our bodies, we have 10 times more bacterial cells than human cells. Wow. So we're less of, you know, an individual human and more of like this ecosystem. Yeah. And it's this incredible symbiotic relationship where, you know, we feed the gut microbiome and then they help us. And that's with digestion, with synthesizing some vitamins. And then, of course, tying it back in, it helps balance mood, reduce anxiety. And then there's also a big um, immune component of the gut microbiome. So just kind of stepping back beyond mental health, when we look at overall health, um, over 70% of our immune system resides in our gut. And, and yeah, and what I mean by that is like all the immune cells and the immune tissue, that's referred to as gut-associated lymphoid tissue or GALT. And so by having a healthy gut, you're also empowering your immune system. Uh, It plays a role in mitigating inflammation, and inflammation is linked to nearly every chronic or, you know, lifestyle disease. And then, like we said, um, you know, there's also this role in mental and emotional health. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is fascinating. Um, And so um, I guess my next question would be, how can one improve their gut health? What steps can people take? What choices can people make in their daily lives to really bolster the health of their gut? Yeah. So one of the main things to optimize your microbiome is to make sure that you're regularly eating. It's really two twofold, two components. Make sure you're regularly eating probiotic and prebiotic rich foods. So the term probiotic refers to a living microorganism that is beneficial to our health. So it, it has some beneficial effect on our health. And these typically come from traditionally fermented foods that go through a process called lacto-fermentation. And if you're thinking about, okay, which foods fall in this category, that's things like yogurt and kefir, uh, coconut yogurt and kefir, kimchi, kombucha, sauerkraut, miso, tempeh, and then really anything that's a pickled fruit or vegetable. 
And um, so that's that's in the probiotic category. So that's the living things. And then we need to think about prebiotics, which are the, um, it's almost like the fertilizer for your garden. So we need to, it's, it's basically the food for your probiotics. And these are, it's a subset of fiber. It's these fermentable starches that our gut microbes feed on. And um, prebiotic rich foods, some of the top ones we consume are things like garlic and onions, um, but also asparagus, banana, leeks, uh, wheat bran. These all fall under, again, like food for your microbiome that um, provides this beneficial outcome. Um, so those are two major components for a healthy microbiome. But if we look even beyond that, you know, I mentioned prebiotics being a subset of fiber. Yeah, Fiber comes from plant foods. So things like vegetables, fruits, legumes, whole grains, all of that is beneficial. You know, um, even beyond the prebiotic component, if it's uh, a fiber that's not a prebiotic, you're still providing all this, um, you know, great fiber that's going to help keep you regular, help remove stool. And again, help, you know, just feed a healthy microbiome. So that that's kind of the name of the game, populating your gut with as diverse of a population of healthy microbes and then continuing to feed it. And then the flip side of that is making sure that you're reducing uh, or removing the things that can promote bad bacteria or can clear out the healthy microbes. So that would be thinking of things like limiting or avoiding ultra processed foods, Foods high in added sugar, um, artificial sweeteners are a big one. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, alcohol. I know that we see a lot of that picture in in college and beyond, but yep. um, those things really do, um, you know, cause cause a negative effect on the microbiome. Yeah. And then one step further is even looking at what affects you personally. So if you have a personal sensitivity or intolerance, certainly an allergy to any foods, you know, some of the foods that I mentioned are incredibly helpful. But if you personally have a negative reaction to them, then it's not beneficial for you to be incorporating those foods. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, the whole grains, you know, wheat, gluten, that, that's kind of another one that comes to mind for a lot of people. Dairy is, is another big one that if you can tolerate fermented dairy. It's incredibly wonderful for your health. But if if you're, you know, lactose intolerant or if dairy doesn't sit well with you, then, um, you know, unfortunately the pros don't outweigh the cons there. Right. Wow. That's super helpful information. Um, And so, as you know, we work with college students across the country, many of whom are back on campus this month and kind of at the mercy of what their school cafeteria or surrounding um, food suppliers serve. Wondering if you can share a few tips for maintaining good nutrition and gut health um, while being away from home. Yeah. So I think prioritizing vegetables at every meal. I mean, again, certainly fruits are going to help provide a lot of these benefits as well. But if someone can try to aim for like one to two fistfuls of vegetables at each meal, um, I like that because it's an additive approach instead of always looking at what we have to remove to be healthy. It's like, okay, if you have your favorite foods or to your point, like whatever's available, what can you add to it to improve your nutrition? So I think visually just trying to incorporate one to two fistfuls, certainly that's easier with something like a salad, but you can also turn to things like soups or stir fries or bowls. Um, egg scrambles and frittatas, omelets, things like that might be ways to kind of sneaky get in some extra vegetables. And that's going to help with, you know, the fiber and the prebiotics and then all these antioxidant and beneficial nutrients that we, you know, haven't even touched on um, that, that, that you'll get from just the, that one change alone. 
Um, and then beyond that, you know, the fermented foods that I mentioned earlier, definitely looking to incorporate those. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not all fermented foods count. So like beer and beer and wine do not provide the probiotics <laughs> that we're looking for. Yeah. Um, and then another big one is protein at every meal. And animal protein is incredibly nutritionally dense, and that's going to provide a lot of the micronutrients, particularly minerals, um, B vitamins, but um, also consider things like plant protein. So things like lentils, beans, nuts, seeds, they're all going to provide protein and you know tie back into that fiber. Um, so I think those those are kind of the big ones to incorporate. And then I think it's also important to consider like beyond nutrition. So if someone is feeling again, like pressured or limited, I should say, by what's available, there's, you know, exercise. There's a bunch of uh, evidence about the important role of exercise on your microbiome and, you know, stress management. So we can't avoid stress in this day and age, you know, stress is unavoidable, but yeah. how do you manage it or how do you recover from it? And I think, you know, certainly at particular times in, in college, like around midterms and finals and things like that, when you're just plate is like stacked so full, um, how do you recover and and manage. So things like journaling or movement, um, parasympathetic breathing, I think is a big one. Um, meditation is always great, but I always joke that I seem to struggle to make time for meditation. So um, where I turn to is, is this deep parasympathetic breathing and kind of the name of the game is anytime that your exhale is longer than your inhale, um, that's going to help engage that sort of rest and digest is the parasympathetic side, whereas that um, fight or flight is the um, sympathetic nervous system. So if our body's always in this fight or flight, this stress, um, this anxiety, that's kind of the opposite of what we're looking for. That's the sympathetic system. And so just by um, even things like singing is uh, can help with parasympathetic tone. So finding ways to de-stress, have a little fun, um, you know, uh, make time for yourself. All of that actually impacts your microbiome as well. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, yeah. I love that there are all these different ways to kind of activate your parasympathetic nervous system. Really interesting. My last question, which you've kind of touched on already, was any tips for, um, so since many of our college students that we work with have mini fridges in their dorm, that's one way to keep some healthy items around that maybe aren't offered at the cafeteria. And you did call out a few, but any other that are kind of top of mind, like small things that could be kept in a dorm room for healthy snacks and things like that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So yeah, certainly beyond the um, the yogurt, or like I said, if you're dairy intolerant, a coconut yogurt is a great option. Um, I think, you know, the fermented foods might, you know, sometimes I feel like I might get an eye roll for that because it's like, okay, who's really going <laughs> to keep a jar of king? Yeah, exactly. I will say that it keeps for a long time. So it is good for a mini fridge and, and you only need like a forkful here and there. It doesn't need to be a major part of your diet. Um, but, but kind of going beyond those uh, kombucha, you know, you want to be mindful of the sugar intake, but I do think that that's a great way for kind of our teenagers and and college kids and stuff like that to incorporate some fermented foods. Um, so kombucha is a great idea. And then actually pickles, um, not, I would say most pickle pickles sold at the store are not actually traditionally fermented. Oh. Um, you, can, you can tell pretty easily by if you flip the label over and it has vinegar in it, that's um, going to kill probiotics. So that's not going to be like a traditional fermentation process. Yeah. But 
but there are some pickles, like I keep them stocked for my kids in my fridge um, that are traditionally fermented. And then it's a much more, um, I think, a more typical way to incorporate some fermented foods. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of keep an eye on the label for that. And then uh, kind of moving beyond that, I always say, you know, when I talk about vegetables, um, people ask me like, oh, do I have to eat them raw? Like, should they be steamed? Yeah. Really, however you're going to enjoy vegetables is how they should be prepared for you. I mean, certainly there's pros and cons to both raw vegetables, to sauteed, to steamed, to boiled, things like that. So I would say don't overthink it. You know, eat vegetables in a way that is going to incorporate vegetables in your life. And the mini fridge idea, I think of something that's like kind kind of already prepared for you, like a baby carrot, you know, just buying a bag of baby carrots and hummus, you're going to get the legumes, the fiber or the protein, the, you know, the carrot benefit without feeling like you're chopping stuff up in your dorm room. So I think that and just fresh fruit, um, anything that you can keep in the fridge from a fresh fruit perspective is, is great. Those are great ideas. I think all of our students that are tuning in and listening will be very grateful for those. Um, well, that was my last question. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on or that you'd like to share with us? Um, well, so yeah, um, Georgia, the one, there was one question about gut health related to brain health and emotional health that we didn't cover. Do you want me to, it was, I think between, um, the gut health important and how does one improve their gut health? Do you want me to answer that? Um, yeah, if you want to elaborate on, yeah, that would be great to dive into that. Okay. Last one. Yeah. Yeah. So the question was, um, so how is gut health related to brain health and emotional health? So do you want me to tee that up? Yes. That would, be, ask that? that would okay. be awesome. Okay. Yeah. So one other thing to just dive a little bit deeper into is how gut health is related to brain health or emotional health. And this is through the gut-brain connection or gut-brain axis. And this is this incredible bi-directional communication. So by that, I mean the enteric nervous system in the gut and the central nervous system in the brain, they are sending messages and communication to each other, both from the gut up to the brain and the brain down to the gut. And this occurs directly through the vagus nerve, but um, beyond that, it occurs through hormonal, immune, microbiota, and neural signaling. So it's this really tight connection between the gut and the brain. And I think we sort of intuitively know that when we think about things like having a gut feeling about something, you know, you just feel it in your gut. Or um, if you're anxious or nervous or excited, you might refer to that as like butterflies in your stomach. And so some of these, you know, emotions and things tied to mood, we already associate, you know, with our gut. Um, and, and kind of taking the science side of that, it's, I think one of the really fascinating things is that many of our neurotransmitters, so things that we, um, used to refer to as brain chemicals, but they're these chemical messengers and many of them are produced in the gut and they play an essential role in mood and mental health. So, um, for example, serotonin, 95% of serotonin is actually produced in the gut as opposed to in the brain. And we yeah, and we think of serotonin as this happy or feel-good chemical because of its role in regulating mood. And I just think that um, you know it's really fascinating when you start to realize how much of these neurotransmitters and you know these feeling uh, and mood influencing chemicals are actually derived from your gut. And so that just really highlights how important gut health is, particularly if someone's struggling with yeah. things like you know fatigue, depression, anxiety, mood swings. Um, you know, there's there's definitely uh, an approach that we can take that incorporates 
dietary and lifestyle changes to improve the microbiome and, and get more from the nutrition that you're eating. Wow, that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, anything else you'd like to cover before we wrap up here? We've covered a lot. Of no, I think that's it. I mean, if um, if anyone wants to follow along, I'm on Instagram at jhwellnessco. Um, that's uh, co at the end, and I share things about gut health. Um, you know, easy ways to incorporate healthy eating. I'm a mom of three kids, so uh, some of it is slanted towards like fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum, and small children. But a lot of it um, would really apply to a college age audience as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Janine. And for everyone listening, stay hopeful, stay safe, stay connected, and remember that you are not alone. You can learn more about our work at Radical Hope at RadicalHopeFoundation.org or check us out on Instagram, RadicalHope underscore FDN. Thank you so much, Janine. It was wonderful having you. Thanks for having me. Take care, everyone.